0: Hey, listeners, it's Alex, your host of EOA, Entrepreneurs of Asia, a show where we profile and highlight the lessons learned from founders, investors, and entrepreneurs shaping and impacting the startup ecosystem of Asia. In our previous episode, we spoke to the founders of Copper Restaurant, and we heard part of their story while covering a wide variety of topics, such as working with a spouse, running a business while raising a family, and the early careers of Chai and Zihan. In part two, we go into more details on how to develop a company culture for a restaurant and the importance of both micro and macro management styles. We also get to hear about Chef Chai's crazy journey, working at two different three-star Michelin restaurants, and how to design good user experience for an F&B restaurant. We also to discuss what determines which countries get Michelin stars and why. Lastly, we briefly get into the impact of COVID on copper, and sadly the closure of copper and the couple's next move into the future. While we didn't have enough time to dig into more technical details on running a food business, we will do so for our second session with the founders, which hopefully will be more practical for newer old entrepreneurs in the food business. People always think the food business is an easy cash rich business that gives you fast returns, but the truth is it is much harder than it seems. Let's dig into part two. So actually, I actually wanted to ask this question later, but since we're talking about it now, how do you build that culture in the kitchen and also the operations side too? Like, where, where is that, how does that process work and how do you maintain well, that high level of... You
1: know. No, for, for us, uh, I wouldn't say we, we are in a very, very high yeah. level. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, think we, so. We work with what we have. Um, we always, and I always believe in that. I don't believe to have a hundred, two hundred, three hundred grand kitchen yep. or an island that costs a hundred thousand and, and and i don't think that would make you cook better of course not yeah right i think oh i think if he, uh, to work be able to work efficiently to be able to chin we used to run a uh, four person in the kitchen inclusive of me uh, without stewarding um, uh, just churning out numbers 70 80, 80 price, yeah. for lunch when yeah. when yeah. two hours
0: that's really
1: that's a lot that's it's intense it's intense no, we had a lot of burnouts, a lot, of the, but yeah. that was how we're trained. Yeah, and uh, how I was trained. Yeah. And, and I think how
2: like for both of us, also it's it's very different. Like I come from a you know a human resource background yeah. with all this like you know rights, 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 <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. he goes like, "Dude, I I mean in Michelin star restaurant, what rights are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. So so that kind of the values that we both have. Um, sometimes clashes because of that as well Mm -hmm. um i think with with the kitchen uh i don't interfere Mm. at all um except for when i think that it's too much then i i would tell him off Mm -hmm. Uh, on my side i have a different style of leadership than him I'm very macro oriented in the sense that I don't micromanage people no. I set targets and they have to achieve that and if they do then I'm good um, whereas he's very because you know when you're doing fine dining work you really need to look into details yeah. so he micromanages and yeah that's the difference
1: yeah that, that matters a lot to yeah. me and it, it's micromanaging is good and bad yeah. at yeah. the same time right um when well, when it comes to work, it's that extra salt, that mm-hmm. extra gel, that extra seasoning, mm-hmm. extra garnishing, yeah. and that tears and breaks the dish. Yeah. And, and 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 for me cooking is very different for, for me and other people. Other people's like they follow a the recipe to the dog, mm-hmm. to the gram, and that's cooking for them. For yeah. me it's not. Mm-hmm. For me it's tasting, the temperature, tasting, yeah. the tasting, the mm-hmm the uh how whether it's raining or not mm. it changes everybody's mm. mood
0: the experience and everything for example
1: yeah. i'm inside the office building and and our design of the restaurant w- were made to be more homey mm-hmm. we gave you we give you a comfortable uh mm. sitting, mm. sitting mm. with mm. With, mm. with blue patina green yeah. uh mm. green kind look. Of feel. so you, you yeah. it's pleasant to the eyes yeah our uh, we don't have black walls mm. per se we we don't have uh, anything that's harsh to the eye where you yeah. feel like you need to, to jump Get back up, to, yeah, to to work, work. Yeah. no so so everything is was designed to feel a certain way yeah. and when it comes to food it's i don't necessarily cook with grammage i cook with emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and and that when you when you dress uh, uh, a salad or you dress of your food with a finishing touch of extra virgin olive oil from Spain uh, whether it's piquant or whether it's abakina or suave and whatever um, and that extra salt that you put on, that extra salt that you feel on your hand that y- this guy David Kinch, I think he would say 33 uh, granules of salt yeah, something like that, I'm like that you feel how much salt mm-hmm. you put in, because every time when you mix your food, you know how much seasoning there is. Mm-hmm. So that final touch of that extra salt seals the deal mm-hmm. or, or breaks the dish. Mm-hmm. So that's it. So, so, yeah. so for me, when I see a person dress, overdress a salad, it starts to wilt from far. I said, stop dressing. Mm. And, and, and that comes from, from uh, fashion. Passion, yeah, a lot of passion, a lot of hard work, a lot yeah. of noticing yeah. and observe, observing experience and experience. So yeah. you 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 just can't teach something that yeah, there's not something school can teach you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So therefore, therefore that micro part, I don't know how to take up from the system mm. because that's what made copper.
2: Copper.
0: Yeah, copper. Yeah. But, but I feel that it also would be in, in other high, hyper or even just like you say, like it's not necessarily like high like a Michelin, but it's still you have that element of culture in micromanaging. I don't see another restaurant who's trying to do that. I don't think you can escape it, right?
2: It's very difficult. I mean, fine dining is essentially like looking into details. Right? Yeah. So if you want to go towards that we started off as a casual place but the demand for us to be finer and finer Finer grew over the years and he had to do it yeah Yeah. and so the culture shifted as well Mm -hmm. um on on our side as well from outside we used to be more casual and then you know we had more vips coming in Mm -hmm. so how we serve how we speak Mm -hmm. it all matters yeah Yeah. so i mean it changes um what we were five years six years ago is totally different to what we are now
0: i mean and i love how the way you describe it because i think a lot of people have romantic ideas about starting B, but they don't realize like all this kind of thought you know how you described how you go to design changes the feeling of an office building, right? Yeah. That that goes into the experience and also affects, you know, the, the temperature outside yeah. or what's happening. All goes into what is the product and service. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, that feeds into is this what fits my market, right? And this will it like, keep them coming back. So yeah. I think a lot of people probably miss out on that and and we
2: had to do a lot of that because yeah. we're in a capture market. So yeah. basically the same people who are there are there every single day. So mm-hmm. we have to figure out, you know, yeah. how do we bring them we, back? As
1: soon as if we in to, if we got into work at nine o'clock and we know that it's gonna be a rainy day, yeah. because sometimes you can see the clouds and whatnot, yeah. right? we know that soup is going to sell for us. Mm, yeah. it, it's little things like that yeah, that, yeah. You, you, that you notice. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, when and for example, uh, having two ladies coming for a meal, sitting by the tapas bar, asking for degustation all over the blue. And I'm like, okay, what's your budget? What do you want to eat? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. We fix the meal, send it to them. Yeah. And then the last thing is like, are you done? Do you still want more? It's like, I feel like I can go one more, but I don't want anything heavy. I don't want anything, low. and I feel like having soup. What can you give me? Mm. And as soon as she said that, I would alter the soup from which was supposed to serve on uh, at, the, at the very beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she said that the same same soup has to be altered to fit that last course. So so that soup should not be too heavy. Yeah so it has to be altered to be lighter mm-hmm. and, with and a bit sometimes of acidity a bit of acidity, freshness mm-hmm. yeah. so that when you finish it mm,
0: you don't feel heavy. You're, yeah. you're, you're done, you're,
1: you're yeah, yeah, good, you're in a yeah. yeah, good. good spot Yeah. yeah. and if, without that adjustment you will, you will be just too much because yeah. let's say you have a steak, heavy steak and you say, just to finish off, I want a soup and you give a heavy cream soup. Mm. It's just too much. It's, the entire, it's thing. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the entire thing. the whole product yeah. experience. So yeah. so yeah. that comes with understanding the customer, yeah. understanding what how, what causes he or she had, yeah. and then adjusting to yeah. them. So yeah. for us, our restaurant survived.
2: Because of all these little details. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, when we first started, we changed menus every two days. Wow, for three, every three years. Every two days, for three two years. years. Four years Foreign. yeah that was very intense until I'm like okay here are the numbers honey <laughs> no more changing once a week <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: It, it's easier for me yeah. so, I'm yeah, yeah, as yeah, so as soon as numbers showed me that we, we lost uh, we lost a lot of foreign foreign um, because due to the crisis, uh, oil and gas crisis yeah. we lost a lot of for foreigners, foreigners, yeah. foreigners yeah. who um, were our patrons who came three to four times a week so those were our repetitive customers and so our set menu had to cater to make it interesting Mm -hmm. for them. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's why it changed every two days, but once that happened, then we knew the numbers, like how many times people came. I actually tracked those, Mm -hmm. um, how many times people came, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, how often in a month, and and, like these little details, and then I presented it Mm -hmm. to him, and then he changed accordingly. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's what I really find fascinating about um, F&B, and especially this type of restaurant, because you can experiment immediately and see the result, and you can actually see and talk to the customer. That's yeah. true. So if you're building like a tech company, you just won't see them. And a lot of founders make the mistake of not actually going to talk to customers or even trying to understand to the level of what you're talking. Yeah. I feel like you know if every founder could get to this insight, you know, then yeah, of course, you need to scale the product, and it's like you said between cost and you know yeah. scalability, and yeah. then, you know, So it's a lot of factors, but I think that's very exciting about and that you can really have an intimate relationship, and you could actually you know the tweak feedback. it at the moment. Yeah, the right? feedback. Yeah. Feedback, it's like yeah, it's insane. direct yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. okay so going back a little bit um, what was your most important lesson at uh, back then
1: in Abak? yeah you mean t- not the pigeon <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean that, that was it you know? <laughs> um,
1: well uh, ABAC for me was my first real opening into uh, a top fine dining um, yeah. establishment mm-hmm. the whole ex, ex- uh, the The whole idea of copper came from my first Mm. step into ABAK where you had copper pots hanged around Mm -hmm. and it's always been polished, shiny, even the marble tables like shiny. Mm So that experience of grand, perfection, beauty and and, uh, exquisite produce, Mm -hmm. everything just came at once. Mm And and that was where I knew I was in the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, he is still one of my mentors. He has moved on to doing vegetarian meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he pr- I think he and um, the one Michelin star now, mm-hmm. doing vegetarian cuisine wow. in uh, in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, produced in uh, in uh, in Spain is amazing to begin yeah. with. So so when whatever he did next, people just follow. Just people just he has a following already. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: Th- how did you jump to uh, was it o- Utslaus? Otslaus? Otslaus. Otslaus. Otslaus.
1: So it came to a point where um, I spent six months in the kitchen uh, and then I, I love the country a lot. I wanted to save up whatever I have to learn the yeah. language and if possible, stay longer. And the only way I could stay longer was if I started to become a uh, illegal mm. and be able to stay there for 3 years without being getting caught yeah. then I'll be legalized.
0: Oh really? For some reason. That yeah. is a weird law. A weird <laughs> law. Weird law.
1: Uh, and that, that's the understanding of it. Okay.
2: And not tell people that. Don't, yeah, that's between <laughs> me and you and whoever's listening. <laughs> so
1: so I don't know if the law changed back then but that was what I understood. There were a lot of illegals there. So when that was told to me, it, it can't be wrong. Uh, and I, I actually contemplated because I really love the, the the country a lot. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, but it also came to a point where you know, I being caught means I'll be sent out of EU and I won't be, oh, oh, okay. be able to come back for the next five years. Uh-huh. Is it worth it? Yeah. Maybe not. So yeah. I decided, okay, let's get a, let's get a new job. Start sending CV again all around Europe. Mm-hmm. Got an interview in, in Autslaus, got an interview in um, Norway, in Oslo, called the Kedan. It was a one star, two star, mm-hmm. I think. And I flew to Autslaus. Outselves were was a bit more hardcore. It was an eighteen-hour work shift. Wow, eighteen um, com- As compared to apart which was a sixteen-hour work, sh- work shift, one was a uh, two Michelin star Spanish, uh, come, uh, French, cooking, um, kind mm-hmm. of restaurant. Uh, and whereas Outslaws set trends yeah. for yeah. The, the they were number nineteen at that time. I seventeen, remember.
2: I think. Seventeen in the world. Seventeen, yeah. Yeah. top 15, yeah. fifteen, seventeen yeah. in the
1: world, and. twenty over twenty go meal points. Yeah. That's a perfect restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that there's they they hold a three Michelin star. Yeah. So there was no restaurant that hold the same caliber Mm calibre. as far as I know. Yeah. And and I was just lucky to be able to go to be handpicked, uh, to go there and did the trial Mm -hmm. and I did one week with them. Mm -hmm. It was insane. (laughs) Um and right after that I flew to uh, Oslo and I did a start there and it was winter as I got there midnight or 10, 11 (laughs) o'clock. There was no literally nobody in in the streets. I was just knocking on the door, knocking on the door. It it was freezing and I didn't know that it could be that cold because back in Spain, um, it's a so chill winter is just chill mm, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and, and, and in, in Norway it's crazy so yeah. when I was knocking the door I think I was out there for a bit too long yeah. and I got chilled and I got fever the next day oh my God. and I still went <laughs> we for for, for yeah. my, my interview yeah, and yeah. part of interview means you have to go for to, the to the kitchen and just churn out and show what you can do yeah. I didn't do a great job uh, um, but at the end of the day they still gave me a job if mm. I could get a permit which uh, I couldn't yes, yes. and at the same time Autslaus said please come back mm. so come I went back, back there. to outslaws and I was and that was and for me that's what serendipity is yeah. I was meant to be an outslaws, mm-hmm. whether, su- or whether or not I succeed in it or whether or not, fe- or whether or not I failed in it, it, it that's what was destined yeah. for me Outlaws was the restaurant that I was looking for. Yeah, it it suited my my cooking more than French Spanish cooking. Mm. Um, his it's,
2: goals, his aspirations. His my aspirations, yeah. my, my
1: flavors, mm-hmm. and acidity is something I really really love. And in Outlaws, it's pretty much the only restaurant where I experienced eating uh, what se- seven I- seven, three courses, seven items split into three courses as a snack oh, wow. um, and each cor- each course is like beautifully decorated you're yeah. not talking about like a mini chip and you either it's like talking about um 10 15 garnishes in one amuse oh. and that's a snack for you and you have to go through seven pieces of that split into three courses go through another five to eight courses of degustation, the and then on top of that if you ask for coffee you get another seven Miniaries, which is basically <laughs> uh, little desserts, uh, little somewhere. desserts yeah. or little uh, sweet bits uh, petit yeah, fours, mm-hmm. uh, which is all designed and 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 put together and split into three courses again. So basically, yeah. you're having like what seven plus seven, twenty-one items yeah. probably in in an entire three four four hour uh, three four hours, mm-hmm. and everything at the end of a three four hours meal was just perfect. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel a bit too much. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel a bit too little. You, like mm-hmm. just, you would just go home, yeah. lie on a bed and have good night's sleep. That's why
2: Sergio called it fucking perfect. Exactly. That's yeah. why the <laughs> document is called okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Makes sense now. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it's very interesting that this 16 and 18 hour days, You know, I think investment bankers like to think they work hard. I think consultants like sitting work, but like I've never heard this someone standing and working for eighteen hours straight. So I mean, I think that's really hardcore.
2: Adrenaline is crazy yeah, for them.
0: I,
1: yeah. I did not run; I was just standing there cutting, yeah. and my heart was pumping throughout the oh yeah. thing, and that was so unhealthy. though. Yeah, it
2: was really unhealthy. I mean, I remember having all these Skype calls because it was Skype back then, yeah. right? Um, and he would tell me that I'm I'm. I'm just like I'm in cold sweat right now yeah. I'm just in cold sweat right now He would wake up Having cold sweat and yeah. It was worrisome It was Definitely not sustainable I, I was staying in the farm For yeah. the
1: first few months <laughs> I literally cycled to uh, 8 kilometers back. 8 kilometers back. Yeah, it was yeah. every day
0: wow.
2: four, 4 kilometers 2 and then 4 you kilometers You must
0: have been back. very fit
1: <laughs> uh,
2: so it was very thin. <laughs> it was, 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 yeah. like, yeah, was like yeah. a stick. Yeah, it
1: was a stick. Yeah. Yeah, I was cycling four kilometers, two kilometers pretty much, in 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 the farm where there's no lights, no nothing. You're just in between like farm dunes, yeah. uh, where you have cows and whatnot, <laughs> and then uh, and then suddenly you now two more kilometers, you are you're on concrete um, mm. uh, street, and you have lamps and whatnot. So. And it was a very interesting experience. You wake mm-hmm. up six a.m. in the morning and you smell cow dung because <laughs> that's where the shits yeah. Are, apparently. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you were there for three years. No, I was there for only
1: a, a, about a year. About a year. Yeah. Okay. I I, I was still somewhat illegal, by the way. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this was at the very height of the the, the best years, probably of before they closed down, right? Yes. Yeah. No,
1: it was what two years or three years before they closed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So that must have been an amazing, profound experience. Um, can you describe for a Michelin star restaurant how does business decisions made in the context of the kitchen? You know how are kitchen decisions made and how does that really work out?
1: Mm. Sorry, could you repeat again? Yeah.
0: So for like a Michelin star restaurant, like yeah. you know, there's probably certain business decisions that are separate from kitchen in of a restaurant, how are these decisions made? Um, or does the chef maybe have all say over everything? Say the business uh, director has an idea, but you know.
1: Well, I think business to business, it's very different. Mm. For example, in Abak, it it was not uh, a, a chef-owner restaurant. Okay. It, it was a partnership between the chef and the owner. So, and they had the a hotel going on, mm. right? Uh, if I recall, uh, correctly it was a Relay, relay and Chateau um, hotel. hotel yeah and it's beautiful it's beautiful mm. and that the, the chef was just in charge of the the lounge the bar the food and the hotels on the other side mm-hmm. so so every restaurant is different out mm-hmm. in that sense it was a three generation um, family business right? family business first two generation was a mussel and fry shop and by the time it reached Sergio Herman, his dad called him to come back to the restaurant and take over the business which was still a Mm muscle fry shop. He converted into a a fine dining and from there worked his way to uh, three Michelin stars. So obviously the whole mechanics to that business would be entirely different. different. Mm. Yeah,
0: Fair fair enough, so it's very different. Um, Why are there no Michelin stars in Malaysia?
1: Because we're not paying For Michelin to come The hmm. tourism's not paying for it So at the end of the day It's as
0: simple as that right? As simple as, as, that. Simple as okay. that But
2: so well, I mean like Quality wise though
1: Well that's another that. spectrum To it yeah, right That's another well, main, spectrum main
2: You've got the tourism part Where uh, s- For some odd reason Food is under agriculture Don't ask me why But yeah. like in Malaysia It's under agriculture It's not under tourism So restaurants are Under agriculture that's Which is okay, the, that's, which yeah. is weird yeah, Right that's where, yeah. Um and so you know on the on the government side they're not pushing for for food tourism and and and, you know whatnot together but this the other spectrum is the quality of food here we're getting better over the years but if you compare our international food with singapore we're nowhere close Mm. and it's i mean that's the truth Mm -hmm. right
1: it's all, all because of marketing it's all because of um, our country's direction mm. in this point of time, in terms of economy and er- yeah. in everything. Right. Food tourism is not priority not for priority, them. It's yeah. developing the country? Okay. Singapore is is in state stage where they've developed. They're developed, developed yeah. Yeah. They can look into preserving culture, preserving mm. heritage, heritage, heritage yeah. and yeah. they can boost money into tourism. Yeah. Uh, so, whereas
2: Economically, we're still like we're, we're okay. not there yet.
0: So, so, there's two factors there's the big macro picture, probably which has to be a push from the government. Yes, and then the other side would be the bottom up, which the, the quality of restaurants, the chefs, the ideas. Yeah, uh, so on the flip side of the bottom up side, you know, like being a chef here, is that missing, or do you think no matter what, if the government pushes it, people will crop up to meet the, like, the demand and make it happen?
2: I'm just get the Dewakan, right? Yeah, Dewakan is top 50. Mm-hmm. and that's amazing for, for a country like Malaysia. We do have skills. We do have that um, talent. Mm-hmm. Where this talent goes though. Singapore. Is, Singapore.
1: Know, yeah. yeah. Singapore. Singapore, Australia, England, America. Everywhere
2: else. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. we also, I think our food culture, we, we like to eat, but our understanding of food is not there mm-hmm. yet. It's so it's, it's as simple as looking into the kind of quality of writing on foods that we mm-hmm. have. Um, compare it to other countries who are food nations and real food nations. We are a food nation in the sense that we like to eat food. We like, you know, have street food. We have diverse culture, yeah. but food culture, as in, like understanding food, have putting the respect of like, just as simple as rice. You know, the respect that we have for rice, the different types of rice, Highland rice. Um, low end and you know all these things we don't have that culture yet to
1: put it simply um, I was also having this conversation with with a friend of mine uh, Yogi from f- restaurant a Flower Flower yeah, okay. yeah it's as simple as this he's a great example of this if I was to do a Malay fine dining or a nas- or put a nasi lemak dish in a fine dining Malaysian restaurant it will be discriminated it mm. will be put down it would be like why would I go to find any and eat nasi lemak when I can get a better one for 5 ringgit why am I paying 150 for yeah. it and Yogi set a very very good example for me we Malaysians are the same people who would put down ourselves put down our, our ranking in our own Home podium forward. where we set what is worth Money and what is not worth money or yeah. not worth value yeah. in India, the same the three cuisine uh, cuisine that is well respected is the French. So firstly is the Indian mm. uh, cuisine. Second is the French and the Japanese. Mm. So Indian cuisine is the most expensive. Oh. Uh, not to say the most expensive uh, cuisine, but it is also it is one of the most expensive restaurant. It is the most expensive restaurant in India. Mm-hmm. There's this very famous restaurant in India and to dine there costs a bomb. Mm-hmm. The best restaurants or best hotels there are all Indian hotels. Mm-hmm. You, don't get a, you don't get a Hilton there mm-hmm. and and Override a Touch uh, Hotel or yeah. the Override. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for them, Indian cuisine is as good as French and Japanese. And they will pay mm. for
2: it. And
0: they will pay yeah. for it. So it's what society values, essentially. Hmm? Yeah. It's what society values. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Society so values. for
1: us, a laksa is is supposed to be 5 ringgit. It cannot be a 100 ringgit. Yeah. Even if you put a lobster inside, it's just a laksa. So for me, that's wrong. That's yeah. you devaluing your, your, your country, yeah. your food. Yeah. And yeah. Well, as soon as you start that, everything goes haywire. Yeah. You will never... You would pay... 200 ringgit or 300 ringgit for fish that comes from, from Europe but you won't pay the same money if you know that it comes from well South yeah. China Sea yeah.
0: oh but it's ridiculous right that's ridiculous yeah. and, we have,
1: yeah. and what's closer to you is what's fresher it's, yes yeah. it's
0: fresher it tastes better it tastes I think, better very
1: simple uh, we did a blind tasting poulet uh, de brest which is the chicken from France that holds the three f- uh, uh, the tree colour of French flag highly regarded we were doing this in a Singaporean uh, establishment City. in Bay Sands, mm-hmm. and we took a kampong chicken from Johor or one part of Malaysia and we cooked the same way presented the same way didn't plan tasting kampong chicken bomb, <laughs> any day and this was coming not from Asians was coming from a Spanish too mm-hmm. yeah. so screw yeah. European yeah. produce yeah. not saying they're not good they are good but we can have if not better as good
2: yeah Mm -hmm. and we need to learn to value that that's Mm -hmm. uh, I mean our ingredients some of them are just amazing you know you and it's sad that we don't value our own um, produce in Malaysia Mm -hmm. even our seafood it's you you go to the east coast the kind of produce that we can get it's amazing unfortunately a lot of them are sold at sea to you know, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, whatever.
0: So, yeah. so, so I guess this, the scary thing is that like, someone can rise to the challenge, they could use local ingredients, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, if the government's not pushing for the, 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 you know, the demand to, to come and meet it, you know, you're just gonna probably you know, fail. I guess, is that, is that how you guys came to the decision of how you would launch copper and the philosophy and what to focus on and which market and segment?
2: no none of that was was on the table none of us thought did about no it. Yeah. <laughs> it was mostly um, wanting to come back uh, wanting to start invest up something invest in Malaysia invest in, in, Malaysia. in Malaysia yeah so, so did in
0: you think you could change Malaysia back then when you came back because um, you just came back from Singapore right yeah so yeah. You, had, you saw what Singapore had in the level and you were around the world as well right
1: I, I think we for for I think we did
2: we did somewhat I mean so, so what happened before we came back, we actually did a road trip around Malaysia to see what mm. Malaysia had to offer and it blew our minds. Yeah. like We could get really, really good produce if only the logistics was much better. But that aside, we were just thinking like, wow, this is amazing. Um, but we didn't want to go the fine dining route because it was too expensive. Mm. We didn't want to be... But like there is a, a market there for it, right? There is. Um, I think for us wanted to be uh wanted to be somewhere in between.
1: And that's what copper. And is about, that what's right? cop? Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: we're not we're not gold. We're not platinum, but we're mm-hmm. not steel. We're like copper. Yeah, <laughs> so we're in between. we
1: uh, We wanted to be able to do um, food that fine dining is able to do at a, bad a Fraction, pricing. yeah, of the price. Yeah. yeah. That was the aim from the very beginning. So the general public is able to experience and in in hope that they can experience it, aim for better food, pay for better food, and encourage people to Mm -hmm. to do better and drive the competition uh, higher. So Mm -hmm. we all benefit from it. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. And we wanted to use local produce as well. a mix of that so that yeah. people can slowly understand like, hey you know what tomatoes from Siga Highland mm-hmm. is actually fantastic yeah.
0: so essentially you're trying to make a, kind of a gateway and then hopefully over time elevate it and yes. kind of build the ecosystem around it bottom yeah, up somewhat yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think you know over the past six years uh, you were able to hit on this and accomplish some of these goals and ideas
2: uh, i i th- believe we have um in some ways i mean uh, when we write our menus we make sure that if it's from Sega Highlands we will mention Sega Highlands mm. you know I'm sure and it, it, it's not just copper it's it's a collective effort by chefs that we've became you know we've made friends with like
1: community community has, has, has
2: evolved as well yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people came back around the same time as us to which somehow you know in 2005 you you see a lot of um, 15, you mean. 2015 sorry um, a lot of people starting to open up you know restaurants dewaka was two thousand and five as well right I wasn't think it so. yeah, you had babe you had dewaka and you had mm-hmm. nado-di. nadodi you had quite a lot of people and yeah. and people who came back at that time also had similar values that they wanted to bring into mm-hmm. the food scene in Malaysia and yeah. one of that strongly was. To use local produce and you know push the industry to greater heights. So it wasn't just the restaurant scene; even the cafes and mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs from from different sectors of the FMB wanted similar things as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's an ecosystem that everyone was trying to achieve. I mm-hmm.
0: think. And w- copper was profitable, or
2: um, not for a long time. Not for a long time. <laughs> not for a long <laughs> so, time. So, so it was a very long journey. It was a very long journey um i money again you know we made hard decisions uh in a sense for example people couldn't understand why we're doing a european restaurant without alcohol mm-hmm. and and till today we still get people asking us mm-hmm. like you know why don't you do it and if you go to a new spot or you open up a new spot can you have alcohol mm-hmm. and whilst we understand that it's a huge part of a lot of people's, you know, day to day. It's not a part it's of the us. It's the one and dining yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. it's something that we we came back to do. Yeah. We came back to do a place without alcohol, and yeah. and we we've built a name around yeah. that as well. So our clients are the totally different types of client mm. as well.
0: Yeah. I get the feeling for copper. What what you are trying to Like what you're trying to achieve and what you're doing is you're kind of taking these two worlds because you worked in Europe and I think it's highly influential. You know, if I look at the food at Abak and I look at Utslaus, I could see in the food and copper as well, right? The techniques, Mm. um, the ingredients. Um, So it's like you're bridging these two worlds, right? Have you ever? But it feels like it's also heavily more European. Is that fair to say? Um,
1: it's it's heavily European plated. Yes. And but Asians being Asians. We love, we want familiar flavors. Correct. Yeah. You would never want to eat uh, cream and butter over and over.
0: I'm American, so I, maybe I would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: and yeah, you you yeah. probably you yeah. you may be able to stomach it. Of course. But, yeah, yeah. And but if I would, well, but I was still there to, to come and tell you that say, I can give you a seven cost cream butter, and give you a a ten cost. Asian influenced meal. Mm-hmm. And by the time you finish 10 mm-hmm. course, uh, a ten course Asian inspired meal, you would feel perfect, you feel mm-hmm. balanced, you feel like you mm-hmm. I achieve a goal yeah. when I serve you the ten degustation yeah. course. Yeah. Whereas a, a, a meal that's heavily heavy in butter and yeah. cream and dairy yeah. and by, b- the by the end of the mm-hmm. seven course, you feel bloated. Yeah. And then just that's also how the body works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah and that's a that's, uh, lesser uh, balance in mm-hmm. in food. Mm-hmm. So, so because if you go to a French restaurant, you start off with bread and butter already. Yeah, yeah. And subsequently, you start with cheese, you start either have a light cheese, yes. brie, yeah. you have... Um, and you
2: can end with cheese too. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you have
1: cream and butter in between. Yeah. It is just a bit too heavy. And being mm-hmm. Asians, you I think Asians uh, are able to balance food um Flavor in, acidity, and flavors in yeah. general better yeah. than than um o- o- other ones, cuisines yeah. Yeah. yeah um not saying every cuisine but in general cuisines lot, yeah, yeah.
0: So, because I, I thought the branding when I was doing research, it, it's like modern European, but it, it was defined as European. So, but from yeah. what I'm hearing, it's plated European, but it's Asian then?
2: No, it started, it started off, started off. It started, very, okay. very heavy in European okay. Okay. flavors. And particularly and in Mediterranean. And, yes. Yeah, Mediterranean okay. flavors. Okay. But, you know, everything evolves. Yep. Our, our whole experience in copper evolved over the last six years. Um, and you know we were just going through photos um, a couple of weeks ago and what we serve from the beginning to now mm-hmm. is worlds apart
1: worlds apart <laughs> we started with breakfast and lunch yeah. imagine that, that food back then and what we're serving now and, 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 and through demand and, and people seeing yeah. what we could do and could possibly do yeah. they asked us could you do this? Could we do that? Sure, we do it for you. Yeah. And we started, and that demand grew to a dinner crowd. A dinner crowd grew, grew to degustation. Uh, to, yes, to, yeah. Sorry, not degustation. Grew to um, customization. Yeah. Customization grew to degustation. Degustation, degustation grew to our fit me menus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and
2: it was a journey. It was, was a journey. Yeah, was a journey so how, how
0: would you define the food now then?
1: I would still say modern european okay and 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 I don't define it as Asian influence mm-hmm. anymore I, I wouldn't say it's Asian influence. I would just tell you that's basically the the profile of the food mm-hmm. um the why the reason why I say modern European is because that that's what outlast was for me mm. modern european it 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 showcased uh the colonization of countries, mm-hmm. for the European countries, so mm-hmm. in Asia, they brought back the spices, mm-hmm. the uh, the sambals. If you go to the, the Holland, you see sambals you there, sambal oelek. That's yeah. from there. Yeah. You see a lot yeah. of uh, Indonesian cuisine yeah. in in ho- Holland, um, and uh, Italy. You see noodles, dumplings, and whatnot. Yeah. That's all Asia: aubergines, tomatoes, mm-hmm. peaches. Or uh, citruses, those are all Asia, so so. And they make it their own. And they make it that their yeah. own, yeah. so.
2: So coppers like that. coppers yeah. like that,
1: pretty yeah. much.
0: Have you ever considered maybe doing a more heavily Malaysian concept, but then accented by European techniques and styles instead?
1: Well, I would say um, that's what a lot of restaurants are doing now. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what Beta Beta is doing. Mm-hmm. I just dined mm-hmm. there yesterday really nice restaurant um um that's what the worker is doing right now mm-hmm. um um where else amber um i think we,
2: we would at the end of the day stick to what we know and yeah. like his background has always been that yeah right so so somehow or rather i think it would still fall back to modern european mm, Okay. Yeah, mm. somehow yeah, I'm open to change yeah. anyways we're in, in that sense because of our experience in corporate we're very fluid yeah. um, even the drinks have been like yeah. very fluid as well that the yeah. things that we, we customize
1: every year we customize uh, team events or team parties yeah mm-hmm. that's
2: what we're known for as yeah. well mm. so
1: we did a, a fantastic base which we got uh we, we shouldn't be talking about it no. now. Yeah. Yeah, we got a season the letter for it. So yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We, but we did well on that one. Um, yeah,
2: Murder um, um, Mystery, that was last year. Yeah. Um and the food that we we do has always been um customized and, and somehow um personalized to whatever that we uh, wherever we go so if we were doing an event for coach we would do something along mm. Say it was a spring theme the drinks would be spring the the food would be spring the, color the will colors would be spring, will be spring. Mm. um so things like that
0: So would you guys say you had a very strong product market fit where it's kind of defined by there's too much demand to keep up with supply right you have to pump it out a lot and there's a lot of word of mouth and your business is going in
2: Yeah um I don't I don't know how to answer that to be honest (laughs) because you know on on one hand um, a lot of people talk about copper and people come to us really through out of mouth Mm -hmm. but on the other hand a lot of people still don't know copper um, because we were in a office building in yeah. Menara Shell very hidden it's like almost like a speed easy restaurant yeah.
1: pretty <laughs> you much. Know, if you come much. to a restaurant right now if we still had one or we still have it, yeah. uh, it uh, in the same location right now it's in an empty building on the 5th floor you never know that it exists mm. yeah. unless someone talks about mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. we are full on weekends we are yeah. full we are generally uh, we are generally, generally 70% full at night yeah. we're talking about uh, we only cater to 40 seaters at night, yeah. uh, where at lunch we cater to 80 to 100 mm-hmm. packs. Yeah. So, so, so basically, if we talk about 70%, we're talking about about uh, 75. Uh, sorry, about uh, 30, 30, uh, packs yeah. 30 packs at, yeah. at night, yeah. and we can still hit 40. And mm-hmm. sometimes, if we have extra, yeah, you know, family gatherings and parties, and whatnot, it goes to a higher number. And those are all organic growth and word of mouth yeah. and recommendations by yeah. friends and family.
2: Which mm-hmm. is, I think, in business, that organic growth is, is really important. Yes. Like, as opposed to trends, because yeah. you get that, that high, mm-hmm. but then it dies out. Yeah. Whereas for us, we were growing 70-20% uh, every year. Mm-hmm. And it was still growing, you know, mm, yeah. uh, which was very interesting
0: so that brings me to my next point like so the the growth was there there was a good fit you had a crowd that you know despite the location yeah um but then you know COVID hit and then you guys had a really tough decision and you know you guys met and talked around Uh, what was the 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 straw that broke the camel's back why why did you guys decide to close down copper
1: um well it's again i think Priorities. Um, priorities, priorities. um, we we got our baby, a mm. second baby, our yeah. COVID baby. COVID <laughs> baby. Uh, just to uh, during uh, mid going right mid into uh, the pandemic, the pandemic and yeah. the MCO mm-hmm. period. Um, and and we were just two months from when our lease ends, mm. and being in that uh, and dealing with uh management that was not supportive Um, well i'm sure they have their own uh, reasons reasons and their own difficulties we all sit in a different chair right so we see a few things differently but from our side we thought that we weren't getting much support Mm. and the same with other other tenants who are also thinking about pulling out Mm -hmm. and whatnot and we, we all felt that the support was not there given that it is a government linked company yeah. given that it's a it's a big uh, corporate, corporate uh, yeah. c- corporation right so there was no system, uh, there was no support there and uh, we and had, we tried for 6 years, we tried for yeah. Six years. Yeah. yeah yeah and on top of all of that uh, what was in our favor was that our lease ends in june mm. yeah and uh, what the last three months have taught us in MCO is office uh, offices do not or companies do not need to run their daily operation in an office anymore.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So
1: what that taught me mm-hmm. is <laughs> that you on, you don't need offices in the next few years pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Until a vaccine is found. It's
2: a huge change. And
1: yeah. It saves companies a lot tons mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just imagine Six, seven, eight floors of mm-hmm. rental gone from your yeah. from your bottom,
2: like from your, yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. It, it's lifted from your bottom line, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess that changes maybe one reason why or one business model for restaurants. Yes. But I, I would argue, though, that because of that, people will be looking for even more experiences, though, right? So maybe it would shift how you would come up with the next idea of... I think experiences, no matter what, are going to be needed even more, right? It
2: has changed. I mean, like we were talking about... So last year, uh, we were already planning for um, another uh, product for Copper. So Copper, at that point of time... COVID wasn't there, right? So, Copper yeah. was going to continue on doing what Copper does. But yeah. we wanted to do a few other things, and one of it was Chef for Hire.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, we've had our event site growing very steadily over the years yeah. um, to a point that we had to separate it from the from the restaurant yeah. itself. And so, we decided that, okay, we're going to officially make a, a program called Chef for Hire, and wanted to launch it this year, actually. Mm. And because of the the pandemic, it spurred it, mm. and now that's that's our primary revenue stream mm. as opposed to the restaurant. So it flipped from mm, you know yeah from having a brick and mortar yeah. to us bringing that experience to your houses or so the mm-hmm. venues that of the chosen you know the chosen mm-hmm. venue, and it's interesting because yeah. you know um, especially
1: when we announced that we are going to close. A lot more attention was was mm-hmm. heading towards us mm-hmm. and everyone body a lot of people who came uh, or are curious about us start yeah. sending messages asked us what's our next step And we told them we're gonna go into mm-hmm. catering. Sure. We didn't know what we want to do so yeah. at one point like if you were to talk about having a restaurant, yeah I wouldn't know how to answer you mm-hmm. but if we, but we would go into uh, dessert supply desserts. No. Yeah,
2: because we we tried that out during MTO was a really good time for us to take a step back yeah. and review what are the things that moving forward because of the pandemic. What are the things that you know you could possibly do, and what are the different strategies, what are the revenue streams that we needed to keep ourselves afloat. Yeah. So we did. Um, we did a. It was a good layering process. Um, the first five weeks we. Uh, with the support of funders we did uh, a meals for frontliners where we, we got funders to to be able to cook meals for the frontliners at the same time we were r and D different products to mm-hmm. test out and out of th- all the products we found that the dessert boxes did very well um, I saw them
0: online they're very pretty
2: <laughs> yeah thanks yes. yeah. not that I cooked it but I can take credit <laughs> for it <laughs> And and then we also saw that you know since people are not going to restaurants or they fear for that we can go to their houses and do mm-hmm. so so all of that um allowed for us to actually you know it on and yeah. saw what potential was yeah so that was interesting so i guess
0: that, that that's going to be your next journey right so f- focusing on maybe this new type of experience um but bringing the same level and philosophy what, what you've taken from europe and around the world yeah, from something copper, more intimate. Something more intimate. Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I think moving forward, at least for the next six months to a year, I do think stabilizes. I think uh, chef for hire or restaurant for hire mm. um, and having events or small events, intimate uh, parties in mm. your own comfort you know, for your own house, I think that's the way to go. Yeah,
2: And I think yeah. it's because people also saw Because we were in an open kitchen yeah. They saw how particular we were With mm. like cleanliness and yeah. all that um, That gives them a lot of confidence To call us in as yeah. well Yeah
0: yeah I mean I think at the end of the day it also allows you for experimentation it's a new journey and I think by doing this over the next six months like you said you're going to probably figure out what it is that you really need to focus on and what yeah. the product is yeah for sure um, so I guess uh, you know I, I have a lot more questions but you know we're already running out of time <laughs> um, so uh, what can we help you with what are you guys looking for and if anyone listening what can they do
2: hmm uh, interesting yeah.
1: continue to follow us yeah. okay. continue to follow us
0: how do we follow you
1: Oh we are still on Instagram, we are still on Facebook.
0: Okay, the Instagram yeah. is
2: Copper by Faith. Copper
0: by Faith. Yeah. yeah. So
2: we're we're still um we'll be updating uh on our journey, uh whatever that is that's that's coming mm-hmm. along our way.
0: And who who should they reach out to? Jeff Chai or um, Zihan? Both of us okay. are, are yeah. Both we are of both us We're
1: both quite active. Yeah, yeah. we're both
0: okay. quite active. Uh, I you
1: generally repost mm-hmm. what she
2: does, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I have like my, my profiles been made public as well right okay.
0: now. So Zihan Zahari. So so send a direct message or. Yeah, just
2: DM us. Just we're, DM. Okay. Yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty flexible that way.
0: Okay, yeah. all right guys. Uh, thank you for the show. I think you know if, if I get deeper into the food world, of other entrepreneurs, I would love to you know have you as a repeat guest. And thank yeah. you for your thank time. You.
2: Let's
1: do part two.
0: Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to part two of Zihan and Chai's journey. The restaurant business is a tough business. If you want to innovate and thrive in this space, you need to be aware of the big picture trends and know how to work with the smallest details to craft the best possible experience for your customers. Given that the restaurant business model is a well known model, innovation is around the product, which is a combination of the food, the experience and the feelings you get. Whether it be for something transactional, something experiential, an escape from work or a quick bite to fuel your day. It's an exercise in constantly building stickiness and retention to eventually hit upon something that can give you that viral word of mouth to help you grow. If you like the food theme, we definitely have a few more episodes coming up from a famous burger chain and a new conglomerate starting a food accelerator. Definitely stay tuned in the coming weeks and share this episode to social media if you found it valuable or interesting. Don't forget, you can also go to entrepreneursofasia.com slash podcasts and find the transcripts and some notes and the appendix of any terms that you didn't understand in the episode. Don't forget to follow Copper social media too. Word on the street is they are up to something new. Is it Asia's next Michelin star restaurant? Is it their chef for hire venture? Or perhaps a new patisserie? Make sure to follow them to find out and I will see you guys back here for next week's episode.